So we practice communicating it. And I will often have people start talking, say, okay, great, sell me on this idea. And it's not, I'm not always spoken with people who are in sales per se. Usually they have a whole nother role, but being persuasive is part of selling. So tell me why you need this investment. And then we will record what they're saying. Often we record the video and then we go back and we together find what works, what we like about how we come across visually, how we come across vocally, how our, our voice sounds and verbally what we say. Welcome to the Women Choosing Growth Podcast, where we feature inspiring stories of success, challenges of growth, and lessons learned from women entrepreneurs, industry experts, and thought leaders who have been through the growing pains inevitable as an entrepreneur. Whether you are just getting started or are looking to scale up your business, our show is designed to provide you with the tools, resources, and community you need to grow your business. Join your host, Tina Sue, a lifelong entrepreneur and business growth advisor, as we explore topics such as marketing, sales, finance, leadership, and personal growth, all tailored specifically to the needs of women entrepreneurs. So if you're ready to grow your business faster and smarter, then this podcast is for you. Thanks for tuning in and let's get started. Today's guest is Hope Timberlake, a speaker, trainer, and author of Speak Up, Damn It, How to Quiet Your Fears, Polish Your Presence, and Share Your Voice. She's passionate about persuasive messaging, relationship building, executive presence, developing others, and elevating the voices of women. Hope works with executives and their teams and their entrepreneurs across many industries at companies including some pretty brand, big brands, Airbnb, Bank of America, BlackRock, Dropbox, Gap, PlayStation, Williams-Sonoma, the list goes on. She is helping women and leaders elevate their voices and their presence. She's going to be sharing with us five pitfalls that women entrepreneurs typically find themselves when it is that they're trying to speak up for others and also some exercises of how to stop doing those five things. And there's also more in her book, Speak Up, Damn It. So also after our episode today, make sure that you reach out and grab that book so that you too can speak clearly and get your voice heard. Welcome to another episode, ladies. Today's guest is Hope Timberlake, an expert helping amplify voices and ideas of women and underrepresented minorities at work and in all areas of life. She's going to share with us five common pitfalls women in business and leadership experience and how to overcome them so we can be heard. Welcome to the show, Hope. Thank you, Tina. Thank you for having me. We're excited to have you here. Um, Before we get into those five common pitfalls. I really want to hear about how you even became this expert that you are today. You want to share a little bit about your history? Sure. Well, in terms of thinking about how I relate with your listeners, I grew up in an entrepreneurial household and had parents who were not working in an organization. And rather than following their route, I worked for a hospital in my 20s. And that was interesting work, but really once I had my kids, I realized that was not the route for me at all. And one of the Mm -hmm. things I did in the hospital was help doctors communicate better with their patients. These were oncologists, so cancer doctors talking to patients about 
often bad news or just difficult information. And so we, our, our project was around how do they communicate in a way that the audiences will listen, that the patients will hear what it is that they need to hear. So when I took a pivot, went after I had my first child and was pregnant with my second child, I thought, okay, I can't work hospital hours anymore, but I do love communications. I do love to work and I need to work. So I found a way to do both. I became a consultant at first in communication for a communication firm. And then about five or six years after that, I went out on my own with another uh, woman who was there. So we kind of spun out on our own, started our own uh, little business at the time and have grown from there. So the expertise really started with doctors and then it moved on to a lot of tech people in the Bay Area where we live. And now I have the honor of working with people all across different industries, small businesses, startups, uh, corporate businesses, uh, and even students, kids, people who are trying to re-enter the workplace. So wide range, but I really particularly love working with women. I love that. That's perfect for our listeners. <laughs> I love the podcast. It's been perfect for me listening and learning as well. Well, I appreciate that. Speaking of those who are listening, who, if they wanted to know, like, is this podcast going to be for me? Should I listen to this woman who we're going to talk about your book as well, um, but is an expert in speaking? What does that mean? Who, who needs to listen to what you're about to share with us? Honestly, any woman who communicates. So sure, okay. <laughs> women in business, but really it's, it's any woman communicating. Like, these skills are applicable at home. They're applicable with our friends and our communities and definitely at our work. I love it. So everyone listening, stop what you're doing. <laughs> and we're, we have, um, we actually have some really great, uh, not just what, but how to fix these things. So pen and paper would be handy as well. Let's talk about it. Why is it even important to communicate well? Obviously, when you're in, in your history, cancer patients, super important. Why is it important for, like you just said, any woman either at home or in business? Why does it matter? Yeah, it, it is so important because so much of our understanding of each other or our ability to meet someone else's needs or more importantly, meet our needs comes from communicating clearly and communicating persuasively too. So there, we will talk about a few pitfalls that people encounter, not just women, but people in general, but particularly women uh, and how to overcome them. But the reality is so much of, of misunderstanding or our inability to get exactly what we want in work or at home can come from not communicating well. I guess we probably could all look at our own experience and say, there's definitely been times when I could have communicated that better. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. So what are those common pitfalls that you had mentioned? Yeah. Okay. So maybe I'll list them first and then we can go into them in, in more depth. If that works for you. Love it. We talked about, you mentioned there, you know, there are five and uh, what I see most common are people over explaining, especially women, uh, women, mm. especially qualifying information. I'll talk about what all these mean in a minute. Up speak or ending your statements like a question, filling in silence with ums or ahs or your nose or likes or other fillers. And then the fifth one is around not giving enough credit to, or not, not credit, but the fifth one is really around thinking about your listeners rather than getting stuck in your head. I like that one for sure. 
let's dive into each of these. So um, the first one. Yeah. So over-explaining. This is something. over Yeah. So over-explaining is something that we do. Uh, often we do when we're nervous. So in my work, I see this uh, with women and men, more often with women, but I do see it with both. And when we're either new, we're not totally secure in the in the communication setting, or we're not completely secure in our knowledge, we can over-explain or over-communicate. So a personal example for me is as much as I'm really good at coaching others to communicate well, when it comes to situations like negotiating, uh, the office I'm in right now, in negotiating the lease terms, the price, things that are critical when you are owning your business, I get nervous when it comes down to what I need to pay, what I should pay. And so I'll just keep talking and keep, keep over explaining. <laughs> and there's such power in being able to say your statement, pause and wait for a reaction. That awkward silence. Exactly, <laughs> which, we, which many of us, when we will get to that in one of the other uh, pitfalls, but yes, we, we find silences to be really awkward. Mm-hmm. I can say I personally do. I know. Because I'm a talker, obviously. <laughs> so I will fill the space. Totally. And sometimes it's okay. I mean, we can get excited and you and I both are like probably at fun at parties and keep telling stories and give some more information. But where it is harmful potentially is when we're trying to either negotiate something or be persuasive, try to convince someone why they should buy into our idea, why they should become a customer, why they should work with us. If we're over-explaining, that might be too much of a good thing. Yes. The second pitfall that happens is people qualify information. And when I say people, this is typically women. <laughs> and what it sounds like is, I'm no expert, but, or this is just an idea. I was just thinking, maybe we could dot, dot, dot. And what's so interesting, if you start paying attention to to the way in which other people around you speak, you will rarely hear a man say, this is just an idea. Or, <laughs> I don't know, I'm no expert. I mean, are you kidding me? They're like, yeah, I am, man, hear me roar. So <laughs> it's something that we don't need to do. And this and some of the other ones that are coming are how we've been trained in our, in our society, in our culture, even from, a little, from little kids. Uh, I, I have a boy and a girl. They're now old. They're now in their teenager years. But they, uh, when they were little, they had the same kindergarten teacher. So they are two grades apart. And my daughter was taught to control five things. So control her hands, control her legs, control her mouth. The boys were also taught to control five things, but they never did. So and it was always like, oh, he's so cute. He's, he blurts out or, oh, this or that. The girls were like given extra marks or extra gold stars by, you know, controlling all of their body parts, making themselves what I consider small. So yes, the qualifying is we have been taught for so long, like, okay, your ideas shouldn't be bold. You should say them meekly with a smile. And mm. that's really not effective for us in our workplace, in our families, or in society. I agree. So like being that passive, yes. that passive person. Exactly. Yes. I can't wait till we get to the section of like how to overcome these things. Yes. But what is number three? Oh. Okay. Number three is around qualifying information. 
So we just talked about that. Number three is upspeak. So what upspeak is, is when you end a statement like a question. Mm. So it could be, we should go to Hawaii for vacation. All right. Maybe that is a question. You're not making a statement, a bold statement, but in workplace, it might be, we should hire some new people to help with the work or some version of where you're making a statement or recommendation, but it comes out as a question. Mm-hmm. And this, again, this is the second one that's really more common for women than men. And the problem with it is, are we making a statement or are we asking a question? And some people will say, well, no, I I do it somewhat on purpose. So I don't look too bold or I'm not too intimidating or too assertive. In which case I'll say, great. Why don't you say it like a statement and Mm -hmm. use nice words. Be like, hey, could we please consider hiring a few new people? We're drowning in work. So some version of let me make a statement and hold on to that statement and not make it sound like I'm ditzy and I'm ending it like a question. Is that partially confidence? I feel like part of that is the way we were raised or the way that society kind of, you know, pushes women aside, but I feel like it would be a confidence issue too. Yes. A lot of these are the qualifying, the overexplaining, and the upspeak. Uh, and the fourth one too. All of these come from some version of, of having more confidence in our ability to say, like, I am going to make a statement that is interesting or important or should be heard, or I have enough information to communicate about these ideas. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what is number four? Okay. Number four is uh, filling silence with ums and ahs. So as you and I know, we don't love silence. So this is something where it's hard to make that statement and not overexplain. So it ties nicely with the overexplain. The um, ah, uh, so it's like we feel like we're obligated to fill the silence for their benefit. Uh, We don't want to just sit there awkwardly because then it's like not socially okay to have silence. We're responsible for creating more interesting content. And so when we don't have it, we fill it with ums, ahs, you knows. And first of all, that's not really that interesting to your listeners, but it's also not effective or clear or persuasive. I I definitely can relate to every one of these. For sure. Um, I can relate. <laughs> there, I think. Um. I'm guessing many of our listeners can too. Yes, probably a lot of heads nodding just like mine is. Um, and then the fifth one, not yes. listening to our audience. Yes. So yes, so this is it, is that we get in our own heads. We get too stuck in our heads. And again, that goes back to that whole confidence thing that is the underlying thread among all five of these. But we're in our own heads and it's either the inner critic of like, who am I to make the statement? Who am I to negotiate my lease? Who am I to ask a customer for a testimonial? Whatever version of that inner critic that plays. Mm-hmm. And if we were able to just, just, there's my qualifier. If we were able to pause and think, how is this person going to benefit? How will this person react? How, what will be interesting to them? What questions might they have? So getting more curious about our listeners rather than stuck in our own heads. And that actually would help solve all of these, all of these pitfalls. I love that too. And we just had an episode with KP on that same thing about what one of my challenges is similar to that. Um, And she had similar advice to think about what it is for the listeners, not so much that you're positioning yourself as the one who knows the answer. Exactly. Yes. KP and I are aligned on many things. I have had personal interactions with her and she's amazing. She is. Absolutely. 
Are you an accomplished woman business owner with a story to tell? Do you crave a platform where you can share your journey, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Hey, everyone, it's Tina here. If you're fans of the show, then you know we are a show that celebrates the strengths and resilience of women entrepreneurs just like you. As we're getting this podcasting community going, I thought it would be fitting to extend an invitation to apply to join me as a guest on our Top 100 podcast platform. I started Women Choosing Growth because I believe that real growth happens when we come together and share our expertise and our experiences. We want to hear your inspiring stories, the challenges you face, and the lessons you've learned on your entrepreneur journey. Whether you've triumphed over adversity or faced setbacks head on, your story has the power to inspire and empower other women just like you. This platform is for you to showcase your achievements, highlight your expertise, and create meaningful connections within our community. So if you're a fearless woman business owner, unafraid to open up about your path to success, we want you on our show. Go to www.womenchoosinggrowth.com and join our community. From there, you'll be given the chance to fill out the short application. If you believe that you have a story to share, then why not? Once again, it's www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. I can't wait to feature more amazing and talented women in this community. Now, back to the show. Okay, so before we go into how to solve some of these, I would love to hear some other examples of like real life situations where you've helped women get through one or two of these, just so we can all relate. Yeah. All right. So sometimes it comes with, uh, we're going to do something new. Like we might be, well, we might be deciding that we're going to grow our business. You know, we have, you have all kinds of listeners and speakers. Uh, so an example of uh, the woman with the fitness studio, and I'm going to open a new fitness studio and I now need to go and ask for investments. I need to get more money, whether it's from a bank or from personal loans of some nature, being able to communicate clearly what your value is, what your idea is, without ever explaining, without qualifying, without the upspeak or the filler words, but really thinking, okay, what's in it for this investor? Well, they already see that I have a successful fitness studio they would be lucky. They would benefit. There would be all these ways in which they, it's mutually beneficial. This is not just me asking for a favor. Hmm. This is creating an opportunity for both people. So we practice communicating it. And I will often have people start talking, say, okay, great. Sell me on this idea. And it's not, I'm not always spoken with people who are in sales per se. Usually they have a whole nother role, but being persuasive is part of selling. So tell me why you need this investment. And then we will record what they're saying. Often we record the video as well, especially if they're going to do it in person or sure. with, you know, on virtual. And then we go back and we together find what works, what we like about how we come across visually, how we come across vocally, how our, our voice sounds and verbally what we say. And then we'll come up with one or two things that they can improve. Okay. And that's really important to like, first of all, take, take stock in what is working well. And I like the frame of the visual, the vocal and the verbal, because that is all part of how we communicate what they see, 
how the voice sounds and what the words say. And then finding one or two things. I know, Tina, that you are a golfer. And one of the Mm -hmm. things that I did when I first met my husband 20 plus years ago was I thought, oh, he's a golfer. I'm going to impress him and we're going to, I'm going to learn how to play golf. (laughs) Took One lesson. I'm now in my life. I've taken two, but this was uh, probably more than 25 years ago. I took a lesson and the guy, and I, you know, before the lesson, I was like hitting balls. I was like, oh, that's not bad. Like that looks kind of good. I don't know. Like I can do this. And that's the lesson. And he's like, arms straight, bend to the waist, bend your knees, but not too much. Head down, head down, head down. All right. <laughs> arms up, elbows up, head up, follow the ball. Like 5,000 instructions. And of course, mm-hmm. lesson, I could never hit another ball. So the point in what we do and what I think all of your listeners can do on their own is to take an assessment of what's working and then come up with one or two things to improve. Because if you make a list of the 12 things you're doing wrong or that you think you're doing wrong, you're probably not going to improve any of them. That's very fair. So pick the two, two or three things, not just like golf, stand in the right spot, aim to hit the ball. (laughs) Actually, you're not even supposed to try and hit the ball. (laughs) Um, Now my whole thing is like head down, head down. Like I'm like, I I just do head down at this point. (laughs) It's like, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Two things. (laughs) Exhausted. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, that makes sense. I do love the idea of recording too, because, um, and maybe sharing it with someone else, like you said, because we are our worst critics, as all of us know, listening. So to have that outside perspective is great too. What did you like about my fake video where I was asking for new lease terms mm-hmm. or asking for the sale? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's great. Yeah, you were mentioning in one of your earlier podcasts about the benefit of being an outsider. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly that, that opportunity is it can be a friend. They don't have to be a true outsider, but they're outsider outside of your head and where all the noise exists. So if they can listen and or watch, it is super interesting to hear someone else's perspective and often helps you get comfortable with it. When you hear it yourself, all of those negative thoughts arise. It's just human nature. But when someone else listens to it, you have a better chance of getting a more objective perspective. I agree. I agree. I feel like we're rolling into already the how to overcome these five pitfalls. So what else can our listeners do to help improve their own skills or just avoid some of these situations? Yes. Okay. So the first thing really is, this is the biggest thing and it's actually the hardest thing, which is what we've been talking about, which is recording and listening. I call this the diagnostic step. So that's a little too clinical. Maybe that's from my my 10 years in hospital work. <laughs> but this idea of let me really get a sense of what's happening. And it's so important because I think every one of us can relate to this idea of all the crazy chatter in our brain. And there's a really cool kind of crazy stat that we're thinking somewhere between 600 words and 4,000 words a minute. So it's just like words are ping-ponging in our brain. And especially when we're under stress, it's a lot of criticism, critical thoughts like, oh my God, did I say that? I didn't mean to say that. Oh, this is so awkward. Some version of crazy self-talk. But you're only speaking about 125 words a minute. So what that means is your listeners aren't hearing that, that crazy talk that's in your brain. They're only hearing this subset of your thoughts And almost always, it's way more coherent, way more interesting, 
more on point than you ever could imagine. So once you listen, you get this better perspective of like, oh, hey, I thought I was rambling or over explaining as Hope thought I would be doing. Turns out I wasn't. Or maybe I was a little bit, but not a big deal. So mm-hmm. be able to listen. And I really recommend separating the audio from the visual. So you could record on a Zoom or you record on your phone. There are all kinds of audio recording options on your phone. And then listen. Uh, it's hard to do because, again, like even when we listen to our voice, we're like, okay, it just sounds weird. Because it does. It sounds weirder. It's just different. It's different. Yeah. The audio is different. Like you and I know you've done plenty of podcasts. The audio is different than how we hear our voice. And it's somehow the way of the, the mechanics of our ear. But mm-hmm. regardless, it's different. So that's fine. Just, you know, the first time you listen, you might be like, ew, cringy, deep, weird, squeaky, whatever. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to get over myself. I'm going to listen again. And I'm just going to listen for one thing. I'll listen for, was I clear and coherent? And so having, breaking it down into little pieces of like, I'm listening for this, or I'm going to listen for any upspeak, or I'm going to listen to here if I have any fillers. So listening for something specific. And then eventually we do want to see the video or the visual too, because that is such a part of communication, but we want to separate the two at first, at least in the beginning. So is there what I can see that when I've had recordings, visual recordings, like the Zoom recordings of me talking, um, just happened on a podcast actually that I was a guest on that was also on video. And I noticed that I am looking like off as I'm thinking and talking. And I had no idea that I was not looking at the camera for, you know, a good chunk of the time. It wasn't the whole time, but that was something interesting that I wasn't even paying attention. I knew what I was talking about. Um, but yeah, I was, why am I looking off to the sky? <laughs> so. and like in the podcast, it probably didn't matter. You probably had a decent rapport with that person. Yeah. But going back to the, like, I'm going to ask somebody for an investment in my company. And if I'm looking off, that could either be, I'm disinterested. I'm nervous. I need to think whatever. It's not connecting. And so in those other environments, it might really matter. Yes, for sure. You don't want to look uh, unsure of yourself if you're asking for something like investments. You don't. That's right. Okay. So that was a great option is to record both audio and visual and critique yourself as nicely as you can. What other suggestions do you have? Yeah. So I wrote a book during COVID, like the beginning of the pandemic. It was funny. I've been wanting to do this forever. And the real reason I wanted to do it, well, two reasons. One was I was working with a lot of leaders at companies and they were, as I jokingly say, pale, male, and stale, (laughs) which wasn't totally true. Some of them weren't stale and a few of them weren't. Maybe not pale. Pale. So we've got to shift this because this is not how I I went for my legacy. I want to work with women. So I've been meaning to write it. And of course, I I started to write it uh, in January of 2020 when I was introduced to Christina Pater, KP, who was on your uh, prior podcast. And uh, then the pandemic happened, which is great for me. I know Mm -hmm. that's really bad, but you know, it it was great in terms of getting the book done. So in the book, it's tons of exercises. And that was the second reason I wrote the book was so that people could do these things on their own without needing a coach. So a couple of the exercises I'll tell you all now so you can do them without having to read or listen to a book. And one is, it sounds really silly, 
But if you are someone who does overexplain, or you're someone who just needs to add pauses into your speech patterns, is finding a ball. Like especially that you can do this, you can do this in person if you are at a table and your hands are under the table. But this is really meant more frequently. Can you do this when you're on a Zoom or a virtual meeting or even a phone call? Okay. Is to take a ball. You could have like a tennis ball or a stress ball. I have my ball that you all can't see because this isn't a podcast, but my what I do is I take a piece of paper and I crumple it up, right? So, because I always have that. I always have paper around, so I crumple it up and I will say something like, let's just say I'm trying to go back to the investment idea. Say, I'm going to try to convince someone they should give me an investment and I want each of my statements to really land. So I'm going to make a statement and I'm going to toss my ball. In this case, it's a paper ball from one hand to the next in between statements to demonstrate a pause. Interesting. So it would sound like, hey, I'm excited to tell you about the success of my current business. Toss the ball. I started this business in 2015 and since it's grown 250%. With that kind of success, I'm excited to open a second business in this adjacent neighborhood. Toss the ball. So it's a really great way of getting crisp communication, of avoiding the over-explaining, getting rid of the fillers, um, uh, getting more comfortable with silence. And it actually gets rid of upspeak. So a lot of the things we're talking about can be resolved by incorporating a pause after each statement. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to just think ourselves into it. The analogy I use is every January, I'm like, I am going to eat less sugar or I'm going to, I'm going to avoid sugar altogether. And then I'll get like sugar, 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 sugar. So I had to do something else to replace it. And so same with like, okay, I'm going to add a pause. Well, now you're thinking your way into a pause, which is hard to do. But if you're physically doing something to represent the pause, you're much more likely to be able to create that habit over time. I love that piece. And and I can just see myself if you said I had to pause in between sentences, then I'd be thinking, did I pause enough? Did I, you know, all the things versus like you're tossing the, you catch it with the other hand. There's no thought process whatsoever. The timing is the timing. Exactly. You don't drop the ball. Even if you, and if you do drop it, I mean, I've dropped it before. And then I'm like, okay, either I have a couple, you know, a second paper ball next to me, or I just lean over and grab it, at, you know, depending on your setting, of course. But uh, it's really, it's a great, these are great things to do in lower stakes situations so that you can start to build the muscle of mm-hmm. pausing or what you need. I mean, I think pausing solves so many of these problems. And this ball toss is a great way to do it. Another way to do it is if you're rehearsing, let's say you're rehearsing for this investment pitch. And I keep using that because that's just one that we can keep going back to, but you take sticky notes, post-it notes, and you put a bunch of post-it notes on your wall and you make one statement to one post-it note. You pull down this post-it note and you just toss it or throw it on the ground. And that represents your pause. Then you make your next statement to the next post-it note. You pull that second post off. The key to that, to both of these exercises, is that you have to be good. You ha- and sometimes it might require someone external to help you. You have to make sure you are quiet, you are silent when you toss the ball from one hand to the other hmm. or when you pull that sticky and drop it. Because if you keep talking the whole time, you know, that's fine. It's just not incorporating the pause. You're just talking. Right. 
And that would be filling the silence instead of giving the listeners that moment to absorb what you just mentioned. Exactly. Yeah. They absorb, they re-engage. They're like, oh, what's she going to say next? Mm-hmm. Or huh, let me think about how that is relevant to me. So yeah, pause is your friend. There, that is that there is such thing as a magic bullet. Well, I guess that would be two. It's watching to really get a good, watching and listening to get a good sense of yourself and pausing. Okay. I love it. And your book has uh, these, I have not had a chance to listen to your book yet, yes. but your book has um, these examples. Yes, it has these examples. There's one last one that was the name of the book that I'll share. It's the name of the book is Speak Up, Damn It. And this exercise is Speak Up, Damn It. So listeners who are, even if you're driving, you can do it, or you're walking your dog, you can do it. It's a little easier if you're not doing those things, but fine, chopping vegetables, we can just pause for a second. And what you're going to do is you're going to make a statement and you're going to end the statement with your hand in the, in the, in the position of a fist. And then you slam your fist down on the counter in front of you, the desk in front of you, wherever you are, and say the word, damn it. So the reason for this is you can make a, a, a statements versus the questions from earlier or over-explaining. We end that statement with a pounding of the fist on the table and the word, damn it. So the investment example is I need... X number of dollars to open up a new studio. Damn it. Mm-hmm. Whatever statements you need to make, you can practice with the fist and the damn it. And of course, you're not going to say the damn it or you know, pump your fist down on the on the table <laughs> in front of the investor. But Probably not a good example. <laughs> exactly. It's a good kind of like practice being really clear assertive, no upspeak, no overexplaining. That damn it in the fist on the desk or whatever is basically an exclamation point exactly. at the end of your whatever statement that you're making. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, uh, you will benefit from working with our business. Damn it. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Whatever the statement is exactly like that explanation point that you said. I love the title. <laughs> <laughs> And I love that you your examples are are physical. Like these are changes that people can make. Probably hadn't even thought about how they sound or come across um, without you know the ums and the ahs and the questions, right? <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. So people should reach out and grab your book. Speak up, damn it. So again, I want to recap um, these five kind of um, situations that that us listeners and myself get into. And really, the situations can be anything, right? From the example that we are using here today of looking for an investment, it could be for if you're speaking or presenting on stage. It can be just as simple as communicating with, with a colleague or an employee Absolutely. If you're not a business owner and you're an executive leadership, whatever, it's like I can think of pretty much all of your day, even when you get home and you want to be heard. Yeah. These are things that sometimes inhibit us from being heard. So we can practice this in all aspects of life. Absolutely. Yes. With our spouses, with our community, with our parents, with our children, with yes, 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 yes. Yes. So the two things, if not all of the examples that are in the book, but two things is definitely take a listen to and, and watch yourself yes. and then do these physical, physical practices. 
Yes, exactly. Exactly. We want to pause. The physical practices will help you get there. And before you even get to that place, watching and listening to make sure you know what you're working with. We have, we tell ourselves crazy stories. So let's, let's get down to the real truth of how we're communicating. You might be doing great just as you are. Who knows? That's great. Any final words for our listeners today? I really encourage you to invest in yourself in this way. And by that, I mean, there are little things you can do every single week that can over time make you a dramatically more confident and more effective communicator. I love it. Thank you for your time today, Hope. It's very informative and actionable, which I love. Yay. Thank you, Tina. Love talking with you. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed today's episode please be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. The Woman Choosing Growth Show is not just another podcast. It's a tribe of women helping each other grow. So please share this podcast with all the women entrepreneurs that you would love to see succeed. If you'd like to know more about customized business advising through Cultivate Advisors, download business tools, or sign up for upcoming events, visit www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. Once again, that's www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. Remember, we are in this together. See you on the next one.